Podcast for the waning days of July 2013. My name is Tom Chick, and I am here with you to let you know that my game of the week is not Lord of the Rings Online. Oh, wow. That's kind of odd, actually. Uh, and I'm Jason McMaster, coming to you live from space, and my game of the week is not Guild Wars 2. And I am Chris Hornbostel, <laughs> and my game of the week is not World of Warcraft. Interesting themes we've picked. Wonder what caused that. Yeah. Uh, we have By the all way, not picked. Yes, yes, uh, Hornbostel. Trigger cut. We know it on the forums. So. I was just going to say that of all the intro music on any of the podcasts I've been on, this was the dopest of all. So go ahead. I'm dopest. Sorry. It's not it's not often that you hear Led Zeppelin referred to as dopest. No, it's that's that's rare. It's it's rare that Tom is referred to as a dope in fact, I believe, in any manner. No, yeah, I, I never ever get that ad- adjective. Yeah. I mean not I'm, like I'm I lucky <laughs> I I would be grateful to get maybe occasionally from some misguided person fly, but never dopest. It's just not not really my bag. <laughs> so Why? You really think fly yeah. is it? Sometimes I'm called that, McMaster. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Go ahead, dispute it. Let's hear you make a case for how I'm sometimes not fly. <laughs> That's what I thought. That's I mean, I, thought. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, of course you don't. It's a difficult one, I know. I know you would have to wrestle with that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, while McMaster composes himself, he's obviously uh, very amused by that. Can't say I blame him. Uh, we have all been playing some MMOs lately. And the thing about the MMOs we've been playing lately is they're MMOs we've played previously. Um, Chris, actually, why don't you tell us about something that you've jumped into recently that we'll be hearing more about it. Uh, in the future from you, but uh, tell us what MMO you've recently been revisiting. I have, for better or worse, and against some of my own better judgment, jumped back into The Secret World, which is Funcom's MMO that uh, launched about this time last year with an awful lot of problems to it. Uh, Anyone who's listening? Oh, go ahead, sorry. Uh, this, uh, you know, right over the July 4th holiday weekend, they actually did their one-year anniversary celebration. Um, and I'd actually kind of created a new character to uh, kind of fool around with a couple of, uh, you know, uh, friends of mine locally and a couple of people on the quarter to three forum. And then I kind of abandoned that guy or, you know, didn't really get back to playing that character for a couple of weeks, and then they came up with this uh, anniversary celebration. I thought, wow, I'm going to jump in on that because they had all kinds of bonuses to experience. They had some really cool-looking content to explore. And I kind of think 
I'm gonna be playing for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, McMaster, you have an on again, off again affair going with, uh, I believe it's World of Warcraft, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Where are are you on again or off again right now? I'm off again. All right. I'm How off. long do you think that'll that'll take? Do you maybe give it another two <sighs> three days? I don't know. It might be a while. I've got so much League of Legends to play that World of Warcraft is. <laughs> Jason, what level is your panda? Oh, God. Uh, whatever the highest is. Uh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I don't, I don't leave things half finished. I mean, So you're you're a devastating panda in combat. Yes. Well, I'm a mage, so, I mean, that really depends. Uh, and, and, of course, anyone who's listening to this podcast knows and is about to know more uh, about me being uh, back into Guild Wars 2. Um, oh, my. So, yeah, that's right, McMaster. Brace yourself. There's more where that came from. <laughs> uh, so what we're going to talk about is are the uh, the situation with getting back into an MMO. I mean, it's it's any any person. It's as easy as falling off a log to jump into an MMO from the start. Uh, start with a new character. Let the game's dynamics uh, play you into it, uh, you know, starting at level one, leveling up your character, getting used to all the new systems, discovering the content anybody can do that you know i could do that with some crappy mmo from korea and probably have a great time but it's a whole different ball game when you put down an mmo and then come back to it several months later so that's what we're going to talk about a bit today before we each pick our games of the week which presumably won't be mmos um so, Chris, this was partly inspired by me getting back into Guild Wars 2, but also you talking about Secret World. Uh, so you and I, I know, had played a fair amount of Secret World back when it when it came out. And actually, McMaster, I remember you being along oh, yes. as well. So, yeah, all three of us did some Secret Worlding, as it's called, back when the game came out. For various reasons, we put it down. We moved on to other things. Um, so... Uh, Chris, what uh, in Secret World? How easy was it for you to get back into it? How how, how difficult a process is that? Well, actually, with Secret World, there's a couple of things going on with that that makes it easier to get back into than pretty much any other MMO that I've tried to get back into. And I don't know if you've gotten ex- – I know that you mentioned that you were thinking about at least taking a look. I don't know if this was your experience – but one of the things that always throws me for a loop when I go back to play an existing character in an MMO is that, you know, especially if you're taking like a year off, they will make all kinds of changes to the skills. You know, they'll nerf some of your skills and they'll really power up other skills that maybe you didn't use. And so you get back into the game, and in a lot of games, and I'm really kind of thinking about WoW specifically here, but also I guess maybe Lotro a little bit and Rift a little bit. You jump back in, and your build, which may have been a totally great build to play in, is completely useless. And it takes you, you know, then you've got to go online and do research, okay, what are people using and okay how do I do this again and everything else and for better or worse the secret world really hasn't done a lot of nerfing or building up a lot of the different skills in the action tree so if you're just jumping into anything but the late game content in the secret world I found that it was pretty easy to pick up where I left off 
And I think also maybe a part of that might be that the secret world has kind of its own unique skill tree because it's got like this skill wheel thing. It's more of a wheel set up. And because it's so unique, that kind of stuck out in my mind a little bit, too, more than I think a traditional skill or talent tree like in Wildwood. You know, Chris, the uh, skill balance is just part of the issue for me. I think a, a bigger issue is jumping back into an MMO after you've been gone for a while and just having to – being faced with this array of skills and, and things to do. That, to me, is in a way way more daunting than worrying about skill changes or nerfs. Um, McMaster, what's – uh, what, what's it like going into a uh, World of Warcraft like that? Like uh, I, I can imagine, I haven't I haven't gone back into World of Warcraft in probably literally a year or so, probably longer. But uh, that must be pretty daunting with all the skills yeah. you've got and the re, and the rebalancing that happens. Well, yeah, I mean in a way it is, but like in the time I was gone, they kind of uh, they kind of simplified large portions of the game, made so, it easier uh, to get back into. I imagine. In a way, yeah. So. Uh, it was kind of like having to learn the systems new instead of just remember what was going on before. Um, so, to me, it made it a lot more interesting, and thus, I don't know, it wasn't too hard. After, like, the initial couple of days where you're like, what the hell's going on? Why am I doing this? Uh, after that, then it wasn't too hard to get into it. I think a big temptation when you do that, when you log in and you see all those skills, is to just say, screw it, I'm going to roll a new character. You know, I'm, I'm going to start beginning. Yep. Chris, it sounds like that's what you did with Secret World. Is that right? Well, that was part of it, definitely. But I don't know if you guys remember, because uh, we talked about it over a year ago on the podcast. But um, the weekend, they, you know, Secret World had its um, its preview launch for people who had uh, – already bought the game and everything and it had its you know head start weekend or whatever you want to call it i'm pretty i remember that but i'm pretty sure it was just for people who were special right right but the three of us i believe were special oh yeah we were we were very special but what happened to me i think it launched on a friday like a friday afternoon or something like that and that friday night this really crazy storm came through northern virginia and dc and it knocked out my power for I remember the 48 hours yeah I and remember so that. and while that was going on what was going on in the game was there was a glitch in the xp in the pvp area so yep. people like tom no, were no. serial exploiters of MMO nope. games nope. were going yeah. into PvP and just stacking <laughs> up massive experience. Yeah. And so I finally got back into the game on, I think, like a Sunday night, only to discover that every single person at quarter to three that I was in a guild with uh, had been using this PvP thing, which had been fixed finally by the yeah. time I got back into the game, so I couldn't take advantage of it. And every, you know, it's like jumping into an MMO launch, even though, you know, Secret World says that it doesn't have levels. When I jumped in, it was like I was level one and everybody else was like level 15 or something like that. And, of course, everybody kept on playing. So, it, you know, it was really tough for me to try to catch up. And in trying to catch up, I think that I kind of gave uh, short shrift to a lot of the content I don't think that I gave it 
as much attention that I, I certainly wanted to. So, you know, this time going back into the game, instead of trying to jump on the treadmill and catch up with everybody that I knew that was already playing it, it was like, okay, you know what, this time I'm going to click all those dialogue options, and I'm going to actually hunt down all the lore, because there's a lot of collecting that you do in the game, and a lot of reading, if you want to do it, is in there. And I said, I'm going to do all that reading and all that kind of stuff. Basically, what you're saying is that to go back into an MMO, it helps if you just skimmed over it real quickly the first time you were playing. Well, it does <laughs> if there's actual stuff that's worth right. doing. Like, I'm not sure I would go back into WoW to enjoy all the rich variety of story content in there. I'm hey, hey sure. don't make fun of that. There, there are certain <laughs> defenders of the WoW lore, and I suspect... I suspect one of them might be on this podcast, and his name right. might begin with the letter J. I, I oh, understand. really? I mean, no. Is anybody going back to restart Diablo three and really savor all the interactions between the NPC? And you know, I get to, using the story. I, I, right, I, that. I get to the point in Diablo three where I just am too lazy to hit escape when those little lore journals <laughs> are, are playing. So I accidentally listen to a lot of Diablo lore. Um, but uh, one thing, though, that strikes me, Chris, about Secret World that I think is not unique to Secret World, but unique to a handful of MMOs such as Secret World and uh, my girlfriend, Diablo – or Diablo, good lord, you have me saying it – my girlfriend, uh, Guild Wars 2. Uh, one thing that's unique about those games is the nature of the character builds and how they <clears> – <throat> you can freely – Slot, like you're limited to the number of skills you're using. When you play Secret World, you have seven active skills and seven passive skills, and that's pretty much it. When you play Guild Wars, you have three skills, one healing skill, one ult, or ultimate skill, as you might want to call it, and then your weapon gives you five skills. So the idea is that when you jump in, if your build sucks or if you don't remember what's going on, just pick new skills. You know, Start from right. scratch, build a new bit. World of Warcraft... I don't think this has changed, Master. I might be wrong, but it's a matter of as you play and you level up. When you come to a level 80 character, you've got way more skills than if you're a level 40 character or a level 20 or a, or a level 10. Um, so that, that, that gameplay approach where you just slot a handful of skills is much friendlier to jump back into and experiment with. Um, my experience last night with Secret World, I, I downloaded it. I, I knew we would be recording. Uh, Chris, I, I know you're going to hopefully be doing some writing about Secret World for us. Uh, so I wanted to jump in and, and, and get a taste of it. Um, once I opened that skill wheel, I, 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 was so, I was at such a loss. I mean, there are so many. You only get really 14 skills. Oh, good Lord. That thing is huge and messy and... And, and furthermore, right. but because it's so huge and messy, see, for me, it's so unique that I was like, you know, I was like, yeah, okay, I, I kind of don't remember what all these things do, but knowing that things hadn't been rebalanced, I kind of trusted my skill bar. Well, they also have a, a system. Well, let, let me sort of elaborate. It's huge and messy, but to their credit, and as I was playing, this was one of the things that I rediscovered in the first, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. To their credit, they give you a lot of tools to focus that, to sort of drill down into specific builds. True. Uh, and they do that with, I don't know what they're called. They're not classes, but they're kind of, are they yeah, decks or whatever? Decks. Yeah, they call yeah. them decks. 
so you can go, you, you open the big wheel and you're like, oh god, what is going on? And then you see over on the left side of the screen, you can click a tab for decks and it pops out these names, you know, like Executioner or Soldier or Horror Specs, whatever the heck that is. And you click on it and it, it's a real help to direct you to a certain build um, or to sort of recommend ways to play. And, 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 it's, and it's there that you realize, or that I certainly realized, I remembered, oh yeah, Secret World is, you know, this big crazy tree. You only ever pick two weapons, and each weapon is kind of maybe a class or its own skill tree, but you pick what two things you're going to wield, and that determines, that, that narrows down what you can use in that big wheel. So it takes a little bit of time, but if you click around and you play on it, and you play with it, uh, there are tools that let you create a build and that, that guide you. Um, so Secret World, I, I thought, was pretty friendly in that regard. Um, can, right. you, uh, can you guys think of other MMOs that, where it, that, that sort of mitigate this idea of when you get back into it, there's all these crazy skills that gives you some direction? Uh, uh, World of Warcraft's changed in that direction, too. So what's that like, McMaster? Because I recall World of Warcraft just being pages of different skills. Yeah, and you just drag the one down to your hot so bar. That you... Go ahead. Um, what happened was they also uh, revamped all the classes, so you don't you don't get skills all the time, and you don't get skill points all the time either. You get them every you get a skill point maybe every ten levels, and uh, the skills are kind of uh, doled out as you level. You don't have to go buy them and train them, and uh, there's not as many anymore. They also added tabs that tell you combos and stuff like that. So, it's so there's some, there's more guidance there when you go back yes. after a long absence. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For me, the and honestly, it's easily been a year since I've gone back to WoW. But for me, the most daunting thing, and I also found this happening to me in uh, Lord of the Rings Online is there you know you get back into it and there have been so many rebalances and maybe they've refunded all your talent points oh God, yes. skill points and you know that they refunded them because they specifically pretty much destroyed whatever build that you were originally playing with and at that point you realize you know what I'm going to have to go do homework now you know I'm yeah. going to have to get online and figure out how not to and there's so much pressure because if you do screw it up you're going to have to pay for a respec and you kind of don't know what the economy is like like I think I'm rich I think I can afford a respec but maybe I can't and to me that's the most daunting things about kind of that previous generation of MMO. And it sounds like yeah. WoW though has kind of done some things though to change that. So yeah, uh, I agree. you take a look. Welcome back. Here are sixty eight skill points. Spend them now. <laughs> Don't make any bad choices. It's one way, but before you can run around and kill stuff again or relearn right. the game, sixty eight skill points. Go. <laughs> there's there like I was saying, I think there's only like nine or ten now. Total in cool. WoW, yeah. They they combined like that. They took the skill tree out, and uh, every certain amount of levels you get to pick between one of three skills. Now, are some class types better than others in terms of going back into an MMO? Oh sure. Well, I mean, World of Warcraft. I'd played a hunter before, and uh, pet pet class types, with the exception of Guild Wars too. Uh, seemed to be pretty good all the time. Yeah, I could see that. Like any class where 
you can kind of test out, you know, get your feet back, feet wet back in the game by doing like solo stuff and running around solo and basically making all your newbie mistakes as a solo player. I think you're going to be fine on and I think a hunter class is perfect for that. But if you're like primarily a healer and that's the only build you have and right. the only way you're going to be able to get your yourself back in the game is going to be by having, you know, group wipes in pickup groups and dungeons. You know, that's always kind of an awkward moment where you're like, oh, sorry about that. You know, sorry about missing those heals. Heals and su- support classes as well, I, I think. Like, yeah, I imagine any you're, of those. Or even if you're a tank. I mean, that's just... Right, managing aggro, exactly, managing aggro stuff. But, yeah, if you just want to get in with a class that's just straight-up DPS, pretty straightforward. I mean, Master, I disagree with you about pet classes. I don't know if you just meant Guild Wars 2, but I I find pet classes, and specifically the Necromancer I was playing in Guild Wars 2, are super friendly for getting back into because you just let the pets – play the game for you and you sort of watch them and take your time while they're doing the fighting looking over your hot bar your little tool tips to see what skill does what and to try different things um when i got back into guild wars 2 about a month ago the way i did it was i just rebooted i started playing my necromancer and i made a build where she just summons a bunch of crazy stuff and they they just run around and and beat stuff up and i tag along uh i found i found that was particularly welcoming to get back into. It was almost like having my own little entourage with me. Uh, and they, they were covering me while I took my time relearning the mechanics. So you basically outsourced your characters. <laughs> Very good, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's similar, too. I have an, my main in Guild Wars is a class called an engineer. And the way they work is they basically drop turrets. Uh, and it's like a pet class. So the engineer as well, there have been times where... I've needed my higher-level character, and it's been really easy to jump over to that engineer because as soon as the battle starts, I just drop my five different, I think four or five different turrets on the battlefield and just kind of stand back. It's like, okay, my work here is done. <laughs> Go get them, guys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and that's more of a supervisory thing. You know, It's outsourcing with the pets. With turrets, you're just kind of a supervisor. You just sort of uh, watch the machinery work. Uh, you know, there's a class in Guild Wars 2 called a Mesmer, which is based on creating all these illusionary copies of yourself and doing things with them. I imagine that would be an, just an absolute nightmare to relearn, um, but I haven't played a lot with the Mesmer. With the Mesmer. Yeah, that class looks complicated just from, you know, just from a learning the class standpoint. From Jump Street. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, Chris, one of the things that uh, I did find, even even though it was pretty straightforward with Secret World to uh, pick certain skills um, and to direct what kind of build I wanted to use, what really was difficult for me getting back into Secret World, on one hand it was difficult, on the other hand it, it made me want to get back into playing. They have a pretty intricate combat system based on um, these four... I guess they're debuff states, being hindered, paired, weakened, and afflicted. Which, by the way, I don't know if this is a matter of, I think Funcom is a Swedish company, I don't know if this is a matter of translation, but all four of those... synonyms. Exactly, they all sound (laughs) the same to me. There's no way, McMaster, I'm going to give you a quiz. Hindered, impaired, weakened, and afflicted. Which one of those does damage over time? Mm. Afflicted? 
damn, McMaster's good at this. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the <laughs> only one that really I've been sounds like every it. day for the last month, and I wouldn't have gotten that. To its credit, too, they do a really cool thing where every you know you have on your HUD and over every creature, there's a symbol for each of the states, and it's always there, and it lights up when the creature is afflicted with that. Well, I should say is uh, affected by that debuff. Um, but at any rate, it's it's relatively elegant. You know, you don't have all this separate stuff for being poisoned or on fire or uh, I mean. A, but, you know, gimped or whatever. It's just those four states. But when you set up the skills, there's a real clot of text that distinguishes skills from each other. Now, you can do a simplified version, which doesn't really give you the whole story for what the skill does and how to use it. So by default, I have on the advanced tooltips because I, I want to know this stuff. But there's a lot of information about each skill and about how they interact. There's just a lot of little intricate stuff going on with the combat in Secret World that on the one hand makes me think, oh my god, this is a nightmare to relearn. But on the other hand makes me think, hey, this is a cool system. I really want to get in there and tinker with it and roll up my sleeves and come up with some new stuff. Uh, I don't get that so much in Guild Wars 2 where the different skills are more broadly distinguished from each other. Um, you know, if you like that really intricate character build stuff, Secret World is an absolute paradise to get back into. Yeah, because the thing about that you'll you discover in Secret World is that the very best min max builds that other players come up with, and a lot of times these exist outside of the deck system. A lot of those builds are all based on really drilling down hard on all of those skills into those different afflicted states and conditions or whatever you want to call them and how, how they each interact with one another. How hard are we talking here? It, I mean... Drill it down, it, I mean. how? <laughs> just the fact that, you know... It, if you really want to dive into it, man, you can oh. you can really just optimize a build like crazy by doing that kind of junk. McMaster, sometimes a power tool reference is just a power tool reference. <laughs> what? Uh, I one of the things that uh, I with, with Secret World with all those little skill things. Um, I, the freedom they afford you is really a blessing and a curse. Uh, and it's a blessing in that when I was playing last night, I was just like, you know what? I don't, I don't, I'm just going to use these two skills out of these seven. And I was in no way playing optimally. You know, there was no min maxing. It was just, okay, I'm going to just figure out what these two do. And once I figured out those two, I was like, okay, I'm going to now add these two. And then I had four of them figured out. That was half of my skill bar. And it's like, okay, I'm going to figure out one more. And then I had five of them and there were just two left. And then, okay, now I'll look at what these two do in a matter of easily a half hour or so. I was like, okay, these seven skills, I know what they do. I'm playing the game for all intents and purposes. And then you look at the little passives uh, and you go from there. And if you want, you can then swap one out or two out or maybe try a different weapon. Um, what I did with Secret World last night uh, which is kind of like rolling a new character, is I scrapped one of the weapons, one of those sections of the skill tree or the skill wheel, and just started buying stuff in a new one. And from the ground up, you know, I, I have a character who uses uh, blood magic, which is a spell book that 
I guess, sucks blood out of enemies, and a sword. Everybody knows what a sword is. And so at a certain point, I was like, okay, screw blood magic. I'm going to take all these out of my skill tree, and I'm going to start building up the pistol skill tree. And that was very much like starting a new character. You know, you start at the bottom of the skill tree, the inner part of the wheel. You've just got a handful of skills, uh, and you play with those. And, uh, you know, when you jump back into Secret World... Without having to roll up a new character, you can use half of your advanced skill tree and then start unlocking another skill tree with the other half. Uh, and I really appreciated that way to get back into Secret World uh, and the intricate skill system that it has. Which actually leads me to ask, Chris, why would you start uh, a new character in Secret World? I, it seems like Secret World is all about, and maybe I'm misremembering, uh, there's no s- skill since there are no levels, there's no level cap, and you can earn those skill and ability points ad infinitum, right, as right. far as I know. So why would you ever start a new character rather than unlocking new sections of the wheel of the skill wheel with an old character? Well, for starters, well, you know, like I mentioned, I, I, I feel like I missed great big chunks of the story and game lore. On Solomon Island, which is the first area that you're in. So I kind of wanted to go back and experience that. And I felt like if I just went back there with my dude who was in the middle of Egypt, uh, almost done with Egypt, if I went back and did that, that maybe the content wouldn't be quite as focused, like it wouldn't have quite as much impact if you know i was just basically walking through the quest i just wouldn't i don't think i would feel motivated to do them as much as i would if i started a new character right. off uh, that, so i th- i think that was the the main reason for doing it that's another uh obstacle to getting back into an mmo is that narrative drive that sense of okay where am i where am i going what was i doing what quest line am i following um you know right it, again, my new girlfriend, Guild Wars 2, you can jump into that and play, replay early content to your heart's content. Like, and it's very careful about making sure to reward you wherever you are, sort of commensurate to how much time you're spending. Whereas when I jumped back into Secret World last night, I was in the middle of Egypt. Actually, McMaster, I was in the middle of some place where you ditched me. Uh, I, I <laughs> vividly recall as I was playing, I was like, oh, yeah, me and McMaster were doing this stuff, and who knows where he is. Uh, and I also oh, really wanted to go near back. there. You what? I'm near there, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, but logged off, and, and probably, yeah, <laughs> probably your account has some inactive flag or whatever. Uh, but what I wanted to do, though, was go back to that awesome Solomon Island stuff. And I don't recall, uh, first of all, how to get there, but I don't recall if Secret World will really wants me to do that. Um, yes, like well, you, you, you will get you'll no you'll get it you won't get I mean it's kind of like Guild Wars too you'll get uh, experience it won't really bump you up a lot and the one way that it's going to be different from Guild Wars two is that it's not going to be like in Guild Wars two when you go back and you do early content it's challenging because they lower your down. hit points and yeah it scales everything down it's not going to do that in the secret world but you can still you'll still earn it just won't well, really make that much of an impact there's there's more to it as well though if you switch weapons then you should be doing the early stuff ah because that's the point that's yeah, true. because your weapons aren't leveled up enough. So, I mean, your weapons are your skill levels. 
Good point. Yeah, it has a separate ability point system where you put ability right. points into a specific weapon, and those ability right. points limit the power, the quality level of the weapon. Um, and in fact, that was another issue. Uh, there's that whole loot issue. You know, when you boot up a new an MMO after being oh, yeah. played for a while, and you open that backpack, holy <laughs> cats! What are all these little icons and these squares, and and why do I have so many like patches of dog fur and seaweed leaves and what what on earth is all of this junk uh guild i mean uh uh secret world i I had created and i didn't remember this until i opened up the backpack i had created i had filled the screen with different little inventory purses or whatever you want to call them and you can give them titles and you can set up little areas like i had set up little areas in the shape of the paper doll layout for different loadouts um and then there were whole bags full of these tiny runes that you use for crafting but then there's separate crafting materials that you're supposed to combine and oh my god what a freaking nightmare the inventory was in secret world and therefore what an absolute mystery it was to me as i was playing whether or not i was getting anything worth keeping you know i was finding like an energy drink and more runes and then here's a weapon toolkit and i I just had no recollection of what I was supposed to do with all this junk. Um, See, I kind of ran into that a little bit as well when I went back to Guild Wars 2. You know, I mm-hmm. I remember, oh, yeah. you know, same thing where you've got – and honestly, I think both of these games are like that. And I think, honestly, any MMO is going to be like that where you jump in and you're like, man, I know this was really important because I remember being really happy to get you know this crafting material. <laughs> but I have no idea what I'm – you know, why I was happy and what I'm supposed to do with it and if the game has changed where this is completely useless now. You know, I mean, who knows? One thing that I really appreciate that Guild Wars 2 does to get around that is at any time you can just click on a little tab in your inventory and tell it to send every little crafting scrap to your your crafting bank. And it's completely out of sight, out of mind. I just click that every now and then. uh, And until I'm ready to go back to crafting, all that stuff just gets – it's like running a fine-tooth comb through my backpack and and getting rid of every crafting doodad. Uh, I do appreciate that that option. uh, a game that I recently rediscovered, and I talked about it briefly on the podcast, uh, it's an MMO, even though it's one of those uh, that you just buy it for a retail box, and then you play it as much as you want without a subscription fee. Uh, there's a shooter called Defiance, um, and Defiance is super easy to get back into because, for better or worse, it is just, and I'm making little quotes here, it's just a shooter. You know, if you want to, you just get in and you're just shooting your gun at stuff. And it's like, oh yeah, I've got, you've got one skill, by the way. You only ever have one skill that you use in Defiance. You're just shooting your guns. You, you pick two guns, you just shoot one, and then if you want, you switch over to your other one, you shoot that one. So it's just between the two guns and the one skill, idiot proof. Easy to jump into. Uh, where Defiance completely fell apart for me is that loot issue. Because what Defiance wants you to do, and it's always been really confused about how to do this, is it wants you to upgrade a weapon, um, to add mods to the weapon. You know, you can put a mod, a magazine mod, and a barrel mod, and a stock mod, and a scope mod. You know, weapons can have up to four slots. And these mods can each have traits that add different um, sort of synergistic abilities. Uh, 
But so much of that stuff is completely inconsequential. So you can just get into all this little stat min-maxing all in the pursuit of doing 5% more damage when you melee something. And considering how, you know what, if I didn't kill it on the first melee, tap of the melee button, I'll get it on the second one. I don't really care about an additional 5% damage. Uh, or, you know, 10% reduction in recoil. Um, uh, so Defiance is really easy to get into, but one of the side effects of that is that all that min-maxing just feels really inconsequential and just doesn't pay off. So you're sitting on this inventory full of stuff that I just throw it to the vendor. I don't care about any of this, and therefore I don't really care about getting loot, and therefore the game loses its luster after you've gotten over the newfound joy of, of making loud noises with your guns. Um, <laughs> now, uh, one of the things that I think uh, also can either help or hurt you when you jump into a an MMO after a while is the community that exists in and around ah. the MMO. Um, one of the things that I really have been happy to discover in the secret world, and you know, let's not make too many bones about it. Uh, the staff at Funcom has definitely been whittled down quite a bit, and actually, I think they're all in Raleigh, North Carolina now. As weird as that sounds, I think everybody was relocated from who wanted to relocate and stay with the company uh, and work on a secret world was transferred from Norway and Montreal to uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. And I think that's where they're all at now, at least the secret world team. But so real quick, just to just to correct sure. myself, I think I called them Swedes before. They're Norwegians. They're Norwegians. Yeah. All right. Hey, Swedes. Yep. Yeah, my, my apologies. And all right, so uh, so they've relocated. So go ahead. You were talking about the uh, the player well, community. Well, yeah, and so I think the game community is, you know, the developer community is fairly small, and I think there were still some outstanding issues. But one of the smartest things they did was they threw almost everything in the game up to an. You know, walk right up to the line of gameplay and said, this is all going to be user moddable. Like, you know, everything up to things that would affect character and affect play balance and everything else. But so much of the interface, even maybe more so than I've noticed with World of Warcraft, is player moddable. And so one of the biggest drawbacks I had, and you may not have run into this last night, Tom, but one of the biggest drawbacks I always had with the Secret World is you would have this build and you would adjust all your gear. You'd put on all your different it's it really is armor, but they're called talismans that you would use for your solo build when you were leveling up because it was all damage and stuff like that. But then when you wanted to actually do a dungeon and had to heal and had to use a completely different build. In the old Secret World, what you would have to do, and this is what I was used to from last year, you'd have to replace everything by hand because their deck manager really didn't work the way it was supposed to. Ah, right. Even right. after so many patches, they just never got it right. And somehow this user came up with a user-made UI interface that works 
perfectly, at least for me so far. But it's third it's, party, like it's not officially supported. Yeah, it's something that a dude came up with, and he keeps updating it. And, oh my gosh, it works so well. It remembers all your gear. It remembers all your skill loadouts. Oh, I want that, because that's one of the and, things that I was worried about as I was oh, it my works pistol so, it I actually works had to, so like, well. I was like, surely there's a way to save this skill loadout. I can't find it, so for the time being, I'm just going to write it on a piece of paper that I will no doubt right, lose in the right. next few days. But that's not in the game. You can't save skill loadouts. Well, no, it, it says you can, and it kind of works. And for some people, some people said, hey, you know what, since they patched it, this you know, Funcom's own version that's built into the game works fine for me. But for a lot of players, it just doesn't work. It'll forget to put certain things in your loadout. And... You know, so for certain players, and I'm including myself in that because it didn't work for me. It didn't work at all. But this guy's third-party thing works like a charm, and it integrates seamlessly. Like it feels like you're actually using the built-in deck manager in the Secret World. Only you're actually using his because he replaced it, and it works great. And it's like, oh, this game. It's like, oh, now I actually really, really want to play this game because this huge part of it actually works the way I wanted it to work all along. Now that, so that, I think that's a huge part of it. And I also think like the people you go back and play with, and that's – go ahead because I've got a little bit more to add on that, but go ahead. Yeah, so hold the thought about community and people because uh, uh, McMaster, that – that's one of the things I know that World of Warcraft, I'm constantly seeing people who use mods for that. I've, I've never really been much of a mod user, and I actually couldn't tell you whether or not that sort of theme even exists for Guild Wars 2. Um, but, uh, McMaster, there are lots of mods that people use for World of Warcraft. Uh, is that an issue when you go back into it? Is figuring out what mods you had and relearning them? Uh, so those yeah. have probably changed as well, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, you know, um, sometimes, uh, it, it can be confusing, but there's such a huge community around it that you can go to, like, the Curse Gaming site and, uh, get their mod manager or whatever and just look at kind of the top mods and, uh, you know, I remember a few from over the years and, it is a little weird, but it, the problem is, is that it, like it takes so much time. Because like when I first start playing, I don't I don't really want to do it. Yeah. Because I'm not sure if I'm going to keep playing. And then <laughs> as you go, you're like, okay, well I need at least need to fix this crap. You know, like I at least need this mod. <laughs> and then you know, a couple of weeks later, you have like, uh, okay, I've got the entire thing modded again. <laughs> And then you can't play without the mods, and it's 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 silly. I think that's the in institutional advantage that a smaller game, like a much much smaller game like Secret World, that has mods, has over World of Warcraft because it's such a smaller community. I think the mods tend to be more focused, and you can actually uh, use Curse to get Secret World mods. But instead of having all these incredible choices, and maybe there's all kinds of disagreement between which World of Warcraft mod is the best, you know, whatever damage or aggro monitor or whatever you want to call it. In Secret World, it's basically, nope, this is your deck manager and everybody uses this one and everybody uses this one. And if you want this, well, this is, everybody uses this one. And so 
to me, the thing with World of Warcraft is, you know, with a maybe not with everything, but with a lot of things, there are three or four different choices that are fairly popular, or at least there were a year or so ago when I played, for the various mods that you can punch in there. Whereas with the Secret World, it's like now these are you know these are the mods. You know, one choice. You either want to use it or you don't, but there's not like there's two or three choices to get to whatever. Or alternatively, you could play a game that is so well made with such a great interface, <laughs> like like oh, my right. girlfriend Guild Wars 2, that it doesn't even need mods. Well, it, that game could use a few mods. I mean, let's Guild be Wars realistic 2? here. Yeah. No, like, no way. For instance, like they could take yes, looking for group out of a fancy website put it <laughs> yeah, into the actual that? game. Okay, McMaster, yeah. name, name two more things that need to be modded in Guild Wars 2. Go. Uh, okay, user interface. Yeah, that, no, that's way too broad. <laughs> I will grant you, that's an awesome point, and that, this probably gets into what Chris is going to talk about. Uh, that whole, you know, Guild Wars 2 does not have a looking for group tool. You get to a certain point, and you maybe want to do a dungeon. Uh, for the most part, you don't need a, a group in Guild Wars 2. But if you want to do one of those dungeons, I was doing my storyline, and you get to the point where you're unlocking the new dungeons, and you have to play a dungeon in what's called story mode once before you unlock it for the fun stuff later with the different paths. Uh, that's called explore mode. But you get to story mode, and you're like, okay, who's going to do this beginner basic story mode with me and there's no way to find that in the game you would no. go to a website and i i was amazed by the way partly because of the way that guild wars lets you play across servers with other players secret world is also really good about this uh, i was amazed at how easy it was using uh, i think it's gw2 lfg that's guild wars mm-hmm. 2 looking for group dot com to literally within minutes Find a, someone, a group of people doing a story mission for a dungeon, but yeah. it's not in the game, and that's something that I know that they're they're adding later on. Um, so you're right, McMaster. Yeah, even Guild Wars 2 could use some some mods and interface changes. Well, and I, I think that's a really cool and clever thing that they do. That Guild Wars 2 LFG.com. Uh, I think that's pretty clever. Uh, it's just that it seems like such a Kind of a no-brainer, that kind of game. It has such a, a lot of polish to it. Well, I think, I, yeah, I, I think what it is is just there's so much, there's so many other ways as you're playing that it encourages you to group with other people and not necessarily form parties, but play with other people that in a way they don't need to focus on, okay, you're going to get a group of five people together and you're going to go do this content. Uh, so much of the game encourages you to group with other people without the traditional, you know, there's five of us in a party, you're tanking, Chris, you're DPS, I'm healing. Like, it, it subverts a lot of the traditional structures. Uh, so, but at any rate, I don't mean to make an excuse. An LFG tool in-game would definitely be useful, and there's a reason this is one of the things they're planning to do, you know, later this year, uh, which is a little late, but better late than never for Guild Wars 2. Um, but, uh, McMaster, I also, uh, I, I know that World of Warcraft has made huge advances in terms of easily getting into group oriented activities, uh, without having to resort to typing into the chat window, you know, LFG stuff. Um, right. have, have you, oh, that still happens. I mean, but yeah. Uh, and, but they have things now where you can get into an, I don't know, an adventure or whatever they call their dungeons where you can easily be matched with other people. Uh, like oh, yeah. that's, 
That's part of I mean, that. Blizzard does that so well with their front. And by ends. class too, it does it by class, yes. like ah, which is I'm really a healer, cool. Or I'm a tank, or I'm DPS. Right. Or if you're all three, you could choose. Yeah. You know, like a like a druid or something, you could actually choose right. in between. So uh, yeah, it's a it's very uh, it's very user friendly. And now that they've added like the looking for raid thing, which is really interesting. And matches you with you know twenty four other players, and you go through, and everybody gets their own loot roll, which is kind of the biggest deal about that. Because if it was just one loot roll, everybody would that would be awful. But uh, <laughs> you would never get anything ever. But uh, yeah, no, you you have your own loot roll. You go through it. They're really you know the queue for those, depending on your class, is you know anywhere from instant to. 10, 20 minutes, and, you know, they're about 20, 30 minutes to do, and uh, they, it's kind of weird. It kinda, the game kind of steps you from, like, standard content to dungeons to heroic dungeons to looking for raid to, and then encouraging you to find, I guess, a group to raid with. Uh, so, so Chris, when you talk about in the community, is, that, is this part of what you're talking about, like m- making it easy to find people to group with? Well, I don't think... The Secret World does any better job of putting you together for dungeons than Guild Wars 2 does. And I don't know if they have the resources to make that happen. But one of the things that, for me, pulls me along in an MMO is the shared experience with other players. And just because I know that The Secret World tends to have a lot of player attrition once you get past uh, certain stages of the game. I I feel like like I feel like I have the need because I really, really, really do want to do get to the end game content. I'm really motivated to do that and to do a lot of the dungeons. So what I'm actually kind of in the process of doing now, and I think I'm going to write about it because it's almost like an online dating thing, is I'm actually shopping for a guild to join up with, and I'm actually shopping for a guild to join up with basically by reading forum posts and, you know, what guilds Mm. tell you about themselves. And, you know, it's nobody that I've grouped with necessarily or anything like that. So it's kind of like, I don't know, maybe I'll join this (laughs) guild. And, of course, you know, I don't want to be I don't want to be that guy where I join a guild and then decide after three days, well, these guys are all chumps. I went out of this group you know i want to actually join a guild and then stick with it and really you know get to know the people in the guild and become part of their community and you know help them out and run dungeons and all that kind of good stuff and so you know i i I, kind of feel like there's an obligation on me as a player to take it seriously because i would want somebody else to take it seriously so it definitely has this you know there's that social element to it and it you know, I kind of liken it to it almost feels like online dating where you're like working with really limited information and hoping you make a smart choice. Chris, my recommendation when you're when you're sort of sussing out a new guild is to meet them for coffee early evening so that by the time it rolls around to like eight o'clock, if you want to get out of there, you can say you have plans that night. That's what Chris. I would so like Chris. A, guild, a guild version of it's just lunch. Yeah, Chris. Exactly. Chris, sweetie, why can't you find a nice guild and just settle down? 
when am I going to get some new guild friends? Why can't you just find a nice guild and settle down, Chris? You know, your brother, your brother, you found a real nice they guild. found nice guild. Yeah. Did you find it? You know, the Johnson boy the other day, his... He he found a top twenty five guild. I, I can't see why can't you do you're much more handsome. <laughs> the other ladies in my sewing circle, their sons all found guilds. I don't know. Is, is there something that you need to tell me about your inability to find a guild? Because this actually gets to, to what I think is the, the best way to rediscover, uh, to get back into an MMO, the single most important factor that can overcome any of these other camp complications that we've talked about is this. Do you have friends playing? Yeah. Right, right. Uh, and that, for me, I mean, there's been this awesome snowballing effect with Guild Wars 2, where a bunch of folks on the forum have started playing, and we've started meeting on Friday nights, uh, and that, more than anything else, will pull me back into an MMO. You know, when I have other people I know, either uh, either out, generally outside of the context of the MMO, like real-life friends or online friends or whatever, if I have them playing... By golly, I can deal with any confusion about loot or relearning the interface or not being properly leveled or forgetting where I'm going or even the MMO not being very good. You know, there was a time maybe a year ago that several of us got back into uh, – oh, dadgummit. What was that Brad McQuaid MMO that, uh, that oh, had a huge uh, open – Vanguard. Vanguard, yes. Vanguard. Oh, and I actually would, would – I actually would dispute that Vanguard is not very good. Vanguard has its issues, but Vanguard does some things very well, does a lot of things poorly, but it does some things very well. You know, there was a time last year that I was playing Vanguard again simply because other people from the forum were also playing it. So that goes a long way to getting people to getting you back into an MMO, I would say. Uh, yeah, I've, I've actually really enjoyed playing with Jason again in Guild Wars 2 and our Guild Wars 2 guild on Fridays. That's been great. Yeah, I'm so glad McMaster's been joining us for that. I mean, it just wouldn't yeah. be the same without him. In the, it is uh, magical. <laughs> <laughs> no guilt or anything. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, when I when I booted up uh, Secret World last night, Chris, I uh, you know I was getting some equipment and I was picking things up and I found. Uh, you know, a gun or whatever. Uh, or no, I found a sword because I was using a sword. I was like, oh, look, here's a sword. And I compared it to the sword that I had. And the one that I had was way, way better. And I think I remembered that it was one you had given me. Like, I'm pretty sure Chris, <laughs> it was something that I got from, from you. Uh, so just having that kind of memory and that, that kind of recollection about it. Yeah, it's really great. Yeah. And like you said, they, they'll make you forgive an awful lot of things in an MMO. Um, so, you know, yeah, definitely with the secret world, there have been people from quarter to three and people from, uh, another forum, Octopus Overlords, that have been coming back, especially since the game has been on sale at a really steep discount. It's another one of these buy to play games where you just, if you own the game box, you own the game. Basically, it's, uh, pretty much at that Guild Wars 2 model now, but, uh. Let, let's get into that some, because I, I'm curious, because I'd forgotten that all of this happened. Uh, how significant is the business model in terms of making it hard or easy to get back into a game? So tell us what happened with Secret World, Chris, because that was, when it came out, a conventional subscription model, wasn't it? 
Yes, it was. Uh, well, what they did, and I think this happened in November of last year, November or December of last year, they went to this buy-to-play model. And so what they did is basically if you ever bought the game, The Secret World, what you got is you got the base game that's shipped with all the PvP and all the character slots that you have. They didn't take anything away from you, basically. And then they also gave you the first, I think, four content updates that they did. There were, you know, originally their grand plan was to do one a month, and you know they obviously didn't make that. But they at least they gave you those first four content updates as well. And then, you know, basically from that point, their revenue generation model has all been around cosmetic things. Uh, there are boosters to things that you can buy in the store. And then if you want the other content updates from 1.4 onwards, like 1.5, 1.6, and they just launched 1.7 last week, those you actually have to pay, I think it's something like nine ninety five in real money. For, and now remind me, Chris, these, like are, these are modeled as if they were new episodes of like a comic book, right? Like it isn't each That's one called correct. an episode? Okay. They're an issue. Yeah, it's issue, issue. seven. Yep. So I, I get the first four or five, whatever. I get I get those I get the ones free that that uh, right. they added. Oh, awesome! I didn't know that. Yeah, you get the first four issues that were added, absolutely free, um, and that also includes some of the cool stuff that they did, like um, you know they added this barber shop and this plastic surgery thing, so you can go in if you're not satisfied with how much your character creepily looks like Sarah Palin and try to make her look more like oh. Sarah Palin. What's the matter with you guys? <laughs> I mean, obviously it would be to make her more Sarah Palin. So I don't know how you could. <laughs> uh, this is this is really kind of pathetic, but I did notice after I was playing Secret World, I was like, oh yeah, it's my Sarah Palin chick, and I'm playing it, and I'm playing it. And then I shut it down, and I went back to Guild Wars, which just added some new living content stuff. And as I booted up Guild Wars and started playing my Necromancer... I was like, oh, God, I did it again, didn't I? <laughs> I Every game. <laughs> I know, weird, I know. I apologize for that. Uh, but so uh, um, the that that fr- that buy-to-play model uh, is huge, and Defiance is the same way. It's buy-to-play. You buy the retail package in perpetuity. You can play it as much as you want. Same with Guild Wars 2. Uh, that is almost a deterrent to jumping back in, in that... You can jump back in anytime. There's no hurry. But in a weird way, if you're playing a subscription, paying a subscription fee, uh, or if it's a subscription-based one and you shut it down, and then when you start it up again to say, okay, I'm going to play, the fact that you are now paying a subscription fee again is an enormous amount of pressure. Like, like, oh god, I got to play. I'm paying for it this month. I've got to get my time in to make it worth my while. Um, that's why I think it's so important for a game like The Secret World and a game like Guild Wars 2 to keep doing these content updates. Guild yes. Wars 2 is doing these content updates every two weeks. And I know yes. that's kind of was the hook that pulled you in, and now it's pulling me in, too. And, you know, for as much as I just talked up that you get the first four issues of The Secret World – 
everybody like if you spend any time on the secret world forums or on any guild forums everybody talks about issue 5 actually having some of the best story and quest content what? in the game so I'm like oh I'm actually if I get into this I'm actually going to go do that aren't I and then as dumb as this sounds I think with their issue 8 the secret world is going to be coming up with some things that if they carry it off, if it works, will really be a hook to bring a lot of people back into the game. So. it. I don't want to hear that, Chris. <laughs> All right, give me a t- give me a hint. Like, what do you think? What What are they doing that that you think is such a big idea that w- would be a draw? What is issue eight? Well, in issue eight, they're going to bring in this thing that they call scenarios. And what scenarios are? They exist outside of the game lore, so they don't have to be canon with the evolving story of the game as you play it. And what, it, what the way it works is it's kind of like there's, you know, there's the Secret World's version of Massive Dynamic, and it's called the Arachi Corporation, and it's this big faceless corporation. Well, they have computer terminals that set up simulations, and these simulations are basically what the scenario content are, and they can put anything in that they want to put in as these scenarios for people to play through. And in that way, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the fractal dungeons in Guild Wars 2. And the example that uh, Joel, the lead content guy, gave of the way these scenarios work is you know, they take you as whatever advanced level you are, and they plop you down into that big church in Kingsmith, and you have to defend that church. There's a horde of zombies coming, and you've got a certain number of survivors that are in the church with you, and parts of it almost sound like there's an almost an element of state of decay to it, where various random things can happen, or maybe somebody inside the church gets infected, and you have to deal with that, or you have to make supply runs and get people back safely to the church and things like that. And I'm reading all that, and I'm like, oh, that sounds really, really, really neat. I'm going to end up playing this, aren't I? (laughs) So basically a way to create little self-contained, somewhat scripted activities using, like without having to rework the storyline and stuff. Right, Right, exactly. And this isn't the idea is that you would be able to play this and still advance your character and get skill points, right? right? And you get you get all that kind of stuff, and right, it, it, it's definitely worthwhile to keep playing it. Like they, you know, you advance your character and everything, but it doesn't have to exist inside. The, like they don't have to justify it against the lore right. of the world itself. Which is, of course, very strictly controlled and internally coherent, and uh, <laughs> yeah, all that. You don't well, want to violate the lore of secret <laughs> Right, right. Uh, McMaster, what's going on with uh, – so if I go back into World of Warcraft, that's free to play now, right? I don't have to pay a subscription oh. fee for that anymore. Oh, no, you do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's going on with – McMaster, you were – I don't know if this qualifies as – going away from a game and then coming back to it, because I think you were with it from the beginning for a while. But what's going on these days with that uh, that Star Wars MMO, that, uh, that Knights of the Old... Not Knights of the Old Republic. What the heck is that one called? Star Wars Old Republic, right? Well, yeah, Star Wars the Old Republic. I have no idea. I haven't played that game in quite some time. But that did that ever go free-to-play? Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Yes. It's very free-to-play. What, what, by the way, is not... 
free to play anymore. What what else has a subscription fee besides World of Warcraft? Man, um, I think yeah, I think Eve it's Online? a moot issue. But what what does? Does Eve Online Eve, still, yeah. does do do a subscription? Ah, okay. Speaking of hard to get into, man, I've, I've, I've many, a few times tried to get back into that. That that ain't happening. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I figured that out real quickly. Uh, a game where uh, it changed from the subscription model and it killed my interest in the game. It's one of these things where I stepped away from it for a while and I went back into it after it went free to play and was dismayed at what I found was Lord of the Rings Online. Um, yeah, I, their transition that was just heartbreaking because I I love what they did. How I'm going to use this word, but I mean it. I love how immersive the world was. Um, yeah. But once they put all those free to play hooks and those micropayment things, and and go to the store to buy these content packs, and oh, it just it just killed this beautiful world that that they created. Yeah, uh, that, it was almost like you were looking for billboards along the oh way in the Shire. Said you know. Buy this, yeah. buy that. You know, it, it's just so obtrusive, yeah. just in your face. Uh, yeah, and the content updates that you mentioned, Chris, that's a big draw when you get back into a game because there's this sense that, hey, there's new stuff here, and I am going to be discovering it with other people at the same time, concurrent right. to them. It's not like everybody's going to be off in some distant area doing cool end-game stuff, and here I am faffing about in these empty, low, and mid-level areas. Uh, you know, when they do these bi-weekly updates for Guild Wars, uh, it's as exciting to returning players as it is to, to uh, long-time players, uh, and that helps a lot. Um, all right, so uh, let's see. What else? What other uh, – any other MMOs that you guys have left and tried to come back to? Well, my worst experience, and it was almost heartbreaking, the MMO that I really kind of fell in love with MMOs on is an older game called Dark Age of Camelot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I think, I think that launched in – it was right after the September 11th attacks. I think it was like a week or two after that, so 2001. And for – man, I would say five years, six years after that game had launched – I would still come back with a kind of a core group of four or five friends of mine, and we would go back and we'd start playing it again just to play the player versus player content. That was always the draw. And we always managed to get back into it with no problems and everything else. And then I guess about 2008 or 2009, after having played World of Warcraft and even you know the first Guild Wars – and, man, some other MMOs, too. I think, gosh, it might have even been as recently, like, maybe even a, like a year or two ago. I just wanted to kind of go back and kind of see what was there. Dark Age of Camelot is still going, right? It's still going. Is it and free to play? Like, you don't pay a subscription fee for that, I, do you? I think you do, actually. Ah. I think it's a small subscription fee, but I think, like, the first 20 levels are free, and then after that, you're bucking up for it. All right, so you jumped um, back in a year and a half ago. I, it was awesome, right? Yeah, not so much because it was like we it was like trying to go back and play PlayStation games after playing <laughs> PlayStation Three, like not even PlayStation Two. It's like we skipped two entire generations. Like after you played a game like Rift or even Guild Wars Two, and you try to go back to that, 
and everything has to be done with slash commands. Like it's like, <laughs> oh, you got to be kidding me! I don't even remember, you know, how to move my character forward or interact with the environment here. And so that lasted all of about 20 heartbreaking minutes. And I was like, okay, that, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad I, you know, kind of went in on the intro thing and didn't actually plunk down a month for a subscription on this because I can't go back now. Sad as it may be, I imagine there's a sell-by date on a fair amount of MMOs. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I every now and then entertain the idea of, I think, uh, Vanguard wasn't so awful. I wonder if Anarchy Online holds up. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny you should you should mention that because they're actually supposedly completely revamping the engine to Anarchy Online. Well, I should hope so. <laughs> so to try to keep those feeble revenue streams going. Ooh. Uh, all right. So, uh, and and just to to cap the discussion, I I was pretty pleased with uh, the Secret World with jumping back in. I remember I, I wrote a, a fairly critical review of it. Uh, that was due a lot to the launch issues that it had and how screwed up some of the awesome quests were that wouldn't work. I'm assuming, I don't know, but I'm assuming a lot of that stuff has been ironed out. Uh, And even though, even though I can't, I I will say going back in as a new character that the secret world makes a, an amazing first impression now, uh, a much better first impression. Than it so did the, a year ago. The black house finally works. That's every what I was going to say. Every single time, without <laughs> fail. Uh-oh. And, and even I had to do a little dance every time it actually works. Uh, and it, that that also is encouraging too, knowing that those episodes are free. I'm like, okay, well, I've already got all that content. And besides, I never got out of freaking Egypt, McMaster. You didn't either. Uh, I still have that whole Transylvania area yet to see. Um, so there's a lot there, and. And, and by the way, man, it looks good. Yeah, you know, my biggest problem was that I couldn't get past a certain point in the single or solo dungeon only crap <laughs> because of my build. That actually, I remember that, McMaster, yeah. And the yeah. way it does, it Jason, throws up. If it, uh, I was going to say, Jason, if it helps you any, you are the cautionary tale that I cite on the forum for anybody who's just getting in and like, okay, now how do I want to do this? And like, well, whatever you do, don't do what Jason McMaster did and make it so that your build can't handle multiple ads at one time because well, it's man, one of the are decks, you going to be too. destroyed? <laughs> it's one of the decks, you know. It's not like I went crazy or anything. It's one of their selected classes, you know. So McMaster, it's your own fault for slavishly following an ineffective build. Yeah, I don't. I don't even understand that. Why would you have a build in the game that does not work at all? Well, what gets me parts of your game. What bothers me more is the way that they are hostile to uh, people playing together. And McMaster, you and I had this issue where, hey, we're bopping along, we're doing some awesome open world stuff. We're uh, every now and then going to do a quest. Let's do this story quest. Oh, look, uh, it's mandatory solo. You know, you you and I, we were playing together. Now we can't play together anymore. We have to split up and do this thing separately, alone. And, oh, look, McMaster can't get through it because he's playing a gimped build. So here I am <laughs> waiting on my buddy to get through some dungeon uh, that it's not going to happen. Uh, now, one of the things, they actually, they still have all those solo instances in in their quests, but they have gone through and adjusted the difficulty downward on some of the ones that were most vocally complained about. So I don't know if that'll help 
I don't know how badly gimped your build is, Jason, whether that'll help you out. It's but, like um, I could kick the hell out of anything. I just couldn't take like 30 things at once. That's just yeah. what it required. <laughs> just ridiculous. Because I just, I mean, I couldn't kill them single target fast enough to stop it. So, yeah, it was. McMaster, maybe this will encourage you to get back into the secret world. When I loaded it up last night, uh, I had a little icon flashing that says, hey, you, you have a gift. So I clicked on it to see, oh, what's my gift? At some point since last time I played... You got a uh, cat. Yeah, foot... What? You got one, too? Yeah. What? It's an awesome cat. Oh, man, come on. Everyone got that cat? That gummit. I thought it was just me. I thought I, like, won something. But it's an awesome cat. Uh, I already had a freaking cat. What do I need another one for? I mean, I like it. It's a jade Didn't cat. Didn't this one, like, glow in the dark or something? I mean, yeah, it, yeah it's deal. green. Yeah, I had this oh, cool, It's a like, green cat. I don't, How it's, cool is that? It's kind of green blue. It's not as cool as this black cat I had with like an Egyptian collar that was whatever stupid pre-order thing I, I got. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you know, I was glad to get a gift like that. It was nice. You know, I already had one cat. But uh, so McMaster, you, I was going to say you might have a gift waiting, but apparently you do. So McMaster, if you go in, you have a glowing jade cat. What do you think of that? I think that's pretty cool. Well, there you go. So we'll see you in the secret world tonight. Oh, you know what? Maybe not. 16 gigabyte download. <laughs> yeah, 16 gig download. Yeah, better get started uh, on that. Oh, I have pretty fast internet connection. It shouldn't be too bad. All right. We'll see you online in, in about three or four hours. Okay. <laughs> uh, I did, as I was saying, though, it really does look good. Like, I, I love the, uh, I just love the graphics engine. I love the art design in some of the areas. It was one of the reasons I really wanted to go back to that Solomon Island area instead of the stupid Egypt thing. I mean, Egypt isn't stupid, but if you've seen one, it's the same place you'll play the Serious Sam games. Uh, I don't yeah. really feel like, yeah. I'm sure there's I mean, something like that in World of Warcraft. It's kind of threatening, but it, it makes me feel like I'm playing Resident Evil or something. It's just, Exactly. Right. Yeah. Not, now, the not other really thing, and I, I know we're probably kind of running long here, but the other thing that they've done when they added those first four free content updates, they actually added quests to all of the... I, I think all of the I, I found at least one quest, pretty major quest in all of the new areas on Solomon Island so oh. far playing through as well. Like one of them was a big investigation quest, but it, it's in the church town, and I know that you don't like the cut of that preacher man's jib. I'm not going back there. Um, <laughs> in, until they set it up for a zombie apocalypse standoff siege mission scavenger survival uh, scenario. I'm not going back to that church. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, there you go. If, uh, if you want to join us for Guild Wars 2 or Secret World or McMaster in uh, World of Warcraft, post in the comment section. We'd be happy to hook up with you. Um, yep, yep. But now let's talk some games of the week that are not, I presume, MMOs. Uh, let's start with you, Jason W. McMaster. What have you picked this week for your game of the week? I mean, obviously, uh, World of Warcraft. Um, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Uh, See, I know no, you're just trolling me because you, you did admit earlier that you hadn't played in a while. So, Yeah, no, I haven't played in a while. Um, now, my game of the week this week is, uh, is one that you should be ashamed to hear. Um, I should be ashamed. Wait, wait, hold on. I should be ashamed to hear your game of the week. <laughs> you should be. You should know shame. I cannot wait to hear this. Go on. It is Red Dead Redemption. 
Awesome. Oh, you know what? I, yeah, I think I know what you're going to get at. All right, go ahead. Why should I be ashamed? Me, the guy who's actually <laughs> played it to completion and finished the Undead Nightmares bit of the game. Why should I be ashamed that you're playing it? Although I think I know the answer to this. Because you were supposed to do, you know, play this game quite some time. I mean, I, I don't know. You, you, you see, you never play in the free roam mode with everybody like you always promised to. What are you talking about? We totally had a gathering where uh, a, a fellow named Matthew Meringi, I think I'm pronouncing his name right, he posts his merry prankster. Uh, I think he stole one of my guns and then shot me with it or something like that. Uh, but no, there, there were definitely some open world shenanigans that we had uh, that I guess you couldn't be bothered to join us. Um, but is that what, what you're talking with? Were you there for that? Uh, no, I, well, that was a long time ago. I thought I thought we were uh, like the co-op missions and uh, oh, no, dead nightmare right. stuff. Yes, we definitely talked about you and I finishing up some of that stuff. Yeah, so you went in without me, McMaster. Thanks a lot. Instead of playing Guild Wars, oh no, War, no, <laughs> I just uh, I just started uh, over um, I, the single player game, mm-hmm. not the undead nightmare one, just a uh, regular single player game, and uh, it's still very solid game. I've, okay. uh, I've been playing. Let me know how it. it holds up when you. Let me know how it holds up when you get to Mexico. <laughs> All right. Oh God. Yeah, I guess I did forget about Mexico. Ugh. Yeah, Mexico is kind of a grind. That you have to really force yourself to get in, get far. At least I did. Maybe other people didn't, but man, that's when I was like, oh, I'm not sure I can keep going with this. <laughs> Uh, McMaster, what possessed you to pick this up? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't even know. I, I, I was just sitting around the house the other day, and I was like, "What kind of play that is not Guild Wars 2? Um, <laughs> I looked around, <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I found that, and it's fantastic. It's so not Guild Wars 2 that it's just. I'll say, man, yeah, that that weapon selection wheel—you would never find that in Guild Wars Two. No, no. That's uh, those collection quests—you would never find stuff that clunky in Guild Wars Two. That fast <laughs> travel system, yeah. Uh, so how, how's it? How's it holding up? Tell us about it, McMaster. I don't know. It still has a lot of ambiance, though. I will say the uh, maybe maybe it's just me, but the game engine really kind of shows its age. As compared to some of the newer stuff. And I was going to ask you about that. Like, uh, you know, compared to now that, gosh, how old is Red Dead Redemption? Is that game like three years old now? Like, how does that 360 engine hold up? On it has to be. I think it's older than that, isn't it? Gosh, 2009, uh, it, 2008? Maybe something like that. Yeah, it, you know, it doesn't, it looks nice. I guess the problem is up close textures are pretty rough. Okay. Like it's it, everything looks good on the horizon, and uh, I mean, it, it it all looks good from a distance. But once you get into like the cutscenes or stuff like that, you start seeing things up close. They're kind of clunky looking, but uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's really it's really an attractive game, and it's pretty well written. Though I will say the the voice acting is kind of uneven. Um, yeah, now, one of the things that always helps me out going back into a into a Rockstar game is, you know, 
even if there are problems with the textures and the graphics, I think the way that they do the characterizations of the characters, whether I, and I, you know, I, I don't even know if it's the animation or even the facial animations. I mean, obviously, L.A. Noir has those amazing facial animations, but even in a game like Red Dead Redemption, and I went in and kind of clunked around with it a couple of months ago, uh, just it's really, really good. Like Rockstar is really, really good at, and you know, for lack of a better term, I can just call it the characterization of your character and the NPCs and everything else in the game. I, I agree, Chris. From a the perspective of like the the physicality of how the characters move, the voice acting, even though you said it it can be uneven, McMaster. There's just so much personality in their different characters. That's it. Uh, yeah. But what I think it's missing a lot and what I always find off-putting is a sense of coherence or consistency or uh, narrative focus. Like like Red Dead Redemption is just all over the place. It shows that they had different people writing different bits that would go in different directions. Uh, someone linked an interview on Polygon with the voice actor for James Marston, who uh, – I apologize, I forget the actor's name – but you could read between the lines he wasn't a professional voice actor – to Rockstar's credit, they just got a guy who they thought sounded awesome for the role, and he was awesome. But listening to the guy talk about the experience, you can read between the lines and see what a mess it must have been <laughs> at Rockstar as they were trying to make a cohesive narrative out of Red Dead Redemption. And that kind of thing shows, even though, like you say, Chris, just awesome personality in the different characters. Um Right, right. Uh, and I, I kind of disagree about the engine. I mean, I agree it's dated and some of the up-close textures can be difficult. But as someone who recently adored a game called State of Decay, which I was astonished to discover it's the Crisis engine, State of Decay at times looks awful. I mean, if you were to just judge it on its technical merits, uh, State of Decay might would be a huge failure. Um but I think it looks State of Decay looks fine. What it's getting at, you can you can see past the issues, at what the developer, what the people who built the world imagined. They clearly draw what they imagined, and I think Red Dead Redemption is still unparalleled at that. I mean, there are times I'm playing Guild Wars and I'm just blown away by how imaginative and technically adept the world is. At times, it looks like just these. Beautiful paintings, almost heartbreakingly beautiful. Um, I get the same feeling in a game like Red Dead Redemption, even though it's not as technically adept, just because I can see what the developer wanted me to see, what they wanted to create, and what they still managed to create around these technical limitations. I think it's an amazing engine. Um, so for me, I think I think it absolutely holds up if you're willing to deal with, with dated graphics a little bit. Um, yeah, no, it, it really does, and uh, and the game system, like you know, it has the, the, all of the weird Rockstar problems of like if you're indoors, you're well, you're not having a good time. Uh, that's you know, you're gonna ram into every wall, you're gonna like, flail <laughs> against everything, you're gonna run in like giant circles around everything. Yeah, you, you, you can do the John Marston power mosey. Uh, you know, it's just. <laughs> All sorts of crazy crap goes on in that game, and all sorts of weird bugs and weird stuff happens, but it, it's kind of part of the charm, too. Um, there's nothing like running into cannibals out in the prairie or you know, all the different <laughs> bizarre things that happens. 
in that game, yeah. All right, so, uh, McMaster, I'll be over here playing Guild Wars 2 when you decide that you've had enough of, of trying to get through doorways uh, with John Marston. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hopefully you'll find a group for all your story modes. <laughs> I'm telling you. McMaster, GW2LFG.com. No problem. Just so minutes, sad. Like this, and you've got a group. It's amazing. Yes. Not as sad. All right, my game of the week, uh, not Red Dead Redemption, although um, still a lot of gameplay to ring from that one. Uh, my game of the week is actually an add-on. It's not even a full game. It's DLC. Uh, huh. Metro Last Light came out uh, earlier this year. Uh, I really enjoyed what they did. Those guys that it's either 4A games or A4 games. I forget what they're called. I think it's A4 games. Uh, small developer in... Russia? Oh, I think they're Ukrainian, I believe, in, in Ukraine. Uh, made Metro Last Light, the sequel to Metro 2033. Uh, I loved that, and their first round of DLC called the Factions Pack has just come out. Now, Metro Last Light is single-player only. So for their DLC, they're not going to try to sell you any stupid multiplayer maps, because that's not even a feature there. Uh, the story in Metro Last Light is pretty self-contained and ends pretty definitively. Um, so I don't know how they would try to fold stuff into that story. There's not much to be told. Um, so what they have instead done in this factions pack is they have created a different mission for three of the factions in the game. One of the factions is basically Nazis. There are these fascists called the Reich. Another faction is basically Russians, uh, Soviet-era Russians. There are a faction called the, the Red Army. And then there's a faction called the Polis, which I think technically mean police. I don't know, but they're sort of the, the law keepers. They're the, they're the lawful good group. So there's a mission for each faction. Um, each mission feels very different. Um, and that is part of the strength of this downloadable content. Uh, when you play the Reich... You're playing this incredibly overbearing, hyperactive Call of Duty level where you're standing there shooting waves of dudes that attack you. Uh, and it's, it's ridiculous. It starts you off with this huge, enormous Gatling gun, and you're standing behind cover, and you're just spraying this Gatling gun at a bunch of dudes. And that's kind of gratifying at first. You're like, yeah, this is awesome. And you just hold down the trigger and, and move the cursor around the screen, and things die. Pretty straightforward. Then you hit a checkpoint. It's kind of how the game works. Is you hit, It's a very checkpoint-driven save system. You hit a checkpoint, and now... It's sniper time. So you can pick up this crazy-looking rail gun, which just reminded me of how much I admire the weapon design these guys do. This cobbled-together rail gun is, is, is a thing of beauty. So you pick this up, and there's snipers shooting at you, and you have to shoot back at them. And God help me, I cannot get past this part. It's just incredibly frustrating to try to memorize the pattern of which sniper is going to come out where so I can pick him off. And, oh, look, they've mixed it up. There's some random element. Now that sniper over there came out and killed me instead. I have no idea what they were thinking with this stupid thing. Maybe some people enjoy this. I sure don't. I have no desire to be killed by snipers I can't see and to be losing health when there's no health to find. You just have to stand there and take it. So, uh, yeah, so that's the little Reich Ouch. faction DLC. So, but the, the beauty of this DLC pack, 
fine. I'm not going to play this stupid thing. I'm going to go play one of the other ones. So the Red Army one uh, looks like a sniper mission where you're the sniper picking off a bunch of dudes down below. So I get into this, and I'm like, yeah, let's have a little turnaround fair play. Let's see how you guys like it. So you're the sniper, and you're picking off dudes, and I presume it's going to change, and maybe you're going to move position, or maybe there will be new dudes. But God help me, I can't get past this part either, because something happens as I'm playing where I hit a hard fail state. I, I snipe a dude, I snipe another dude, I snipe another dude, and then someone is yelling at me for doing it wrong, and the mission ends. <laughs> and so I go back to a checkpoint, which is downstairs. I have to walk up the stupid stairs and get in position and kill the same guys. Oh, I failed again. Somebody's like, oh, you did it wrong. And and an alarm sounds, and the, the, the scenario is over. So I do it again, and I'm like, am I missing someone? I fail. So that's okay. You know, there's still one faction to go. I've, I've tried the uh, Reich. I don't like that. I've tried the Red Army. Don't like that. Let's see what's left for the Polis mission. Here now is where the factions pack looks like it's going to get awesome. Because when you start the Polis mission, uh, you are in a little base with a dude who the game wants you to walk up and talk to the dude. He's got an iguana on his shoulder. He's one of those crazy guys you find in a Metro game. And he explains to you, you're basically in a scavenger hunt now. What we've got here, where you are, is you're in the hub. Down here... There's all these weapons and upgrades you can buy. You have to buy ammo. You have to buy filters for your gas mask because you're going to be out in, in the surface where it's not safe to breathe. Oh, and by the way, hanging up on this rack are these lovely uh, protective radiation suits. And here's a suit of armor. You can buy these. You can't afford them right now, of course, but here's all this cool stuff you can get. Don't, look, don't pay too much attention to it because you can't afford it. You don't have enough money. But now come over here. Here is a chalkboard. It's a little like actually a TV display that lists like 30 items. These are the things you have to go out into the world and find. As you find them, you bring them back, you put them on this table. They physically appear on the table, which is kind of awesome, and the guy checks them off the list. And then you can look up at that screen and see, okay, I got the computer monitor, I got the teddy bear, I got the uh, the old the artwork from the museum. There's... These, I still need to get these other things. And as you bring him these things, he pays you money. And then you walk over here and you buy new equipment and you buy you, – maybe you can afford that suit of iron. Oh, no, you're not going to be able to afford that anytime soon. Okay, I'll take the rest of it on bullets because I'm running low on ammo. And you always need air filters, by the way, because when you're up there, you you breathe that stuff like there's no tomorrow. You know, you can't lollygag around. Um, so you, you you stock up and you go back out and you get new artifacts. Every time you come back, you can go to a little sleeping area and save your game. So it's this kind of persistent uh, scavenger hunt and resource management stuff. And I know that a lot of people uh, who played Metro Last Light were a little disappointed there wasn't more resource management, that they intentionally seemed to make that aspect of the game easier than Metro 2033. Well, here you go. This Polis uh, faction, DLC, gives you this hardcore scavenger hunt, survival resource management mode. Uh, and I love it. It's awesome. 
So I was playing it. I made some progress. I collected a bunch of these artifacts they, they needed. I, I was sussing out on the surface. Okay, there's a lot of radiation there. I can't really go through there. I have to dash through it. I can't find a way to get out. Here's these locked doors, almost like Dark Souls, where once I unlock it, it'll be easier to get there later. So I'm playing a little bit. I save my game. I back out, and I think, okay, before the podcast, let me just see if I can get a little bit uh, farther with the Red Army or the Reich sections. So I load those up. It says, okay, you're going to overwrite your other save. I'm like, fine. I don't mind starting from the checkpoint again. You know, I don't uh, mind starting uh, from the checkpoint. What are you laughing at, oh, Master? Oh. Do you know what's going to happen? Uh, I have an idea. So, yeah, so Metro Last Light, the way it works is when you're playing the story, it has a checkpoint system. At any time you want, any mission that you've played, you can go back and you can start from any one of the checkpoints. You can look at a list of the missions, you can load it up, you can go to the checkpoints in it, I believe. Or you can just start from the beginning of the mission. The missions are pretty short. You know, there's like 30 of them or whatever in the game. So the game is divided up into a lot of small slices, and you can pretty much go where you want to. However, when you there's no saved game. It just saves one checkpoint for you. So if I want to go back and play another earlier mission, it tells me, hey, you're going to lose your your checkpoint in the advanced mission. Are you sure that's okay with you? And you're like, yeah, fine, I'll come back to that later. So you go back to the advanced checkpoint you were at, and whoops, you lost it. You're at the beginning of that mission. The missions are pretty small, so that's okay. That's also how the faction pack works. My saved checkpoint for all that cool progress I made in the Polis scavenger hunt, that gets erased when I want to go back and try that freaking Red Army thing again and see if I can figure out why I keep insta-failing as a sniper. So if I am playing that scavenger hunt, which I presume is designed to be played over several sessions where it saves your progress, that's all I can play. If I go back and I play the main game, if I want to play that Red Army or that Reich DLC, I'm going to lose my progress. What a freaking boneheaded decision. I'm, I'm just astonished that for all the great work those guys at A4 Games have done, they didn't find some way to work around their checkpoint system to let you play the DLC the way it was intended to be played. So I'm completely reset in the Polish faction stuff, and I'm like, screw this. I just, I'm, I'm done with it. So my game of the week Ouch. is a game I'm not going to be playing anymore because <laughs> I lost my save. So there you go. Ouch. McMaster, did you play any Metro? Um, 2033, not last lot. Yep, same here. You guys know you can, uh, if you're playing with your gas mask, you can wipe the blood and the, the rain off your gas mask. What do you think of that? It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so McMaster, what do you got for a uh, game of the week? Or no, no, we did you, McMaster. Chris Hornbossel, what is your yep. game of the week? Uh, well, I've been playing this really kind of cool, uh, sort of old school action RPG on the PS3, and I've actually been really enjoying it a lot. Old I don't know. Action RPG? Is it a Baldur's Gate thing? One of those? No, no, it's this. Kind of cool game. It's uh, it's actually set in modern times. It's called MLB 2013, the show. So I'm going to go uh, make a sandwich. Oh, yeah. You guys, you guys talk about this. I'll, I'll talk about 10 minutes. <laughs> I was going to say, Tom, go ahead and cue up the exit music for the podcast because I think we're going to get there real quick now. Um, now, actually, what was funny is I remember uh, you had this awesome game diary from a. Uh, 
a guy named Seth Berkowitz. Uh, gosh, I think it was last spring, and he did covered the 2012 version of the game, and he did a great podcast with him on there, and it was his game of the week, and. He's like, yeah, my game of the week is going to be MLB The Show 2012. And then you you all proceeded to, to – and I was actually – I wanted to listen to it so that I didn't cover any of the same ground or see if there's any ground at all that could be covered that maybe he didn't. And what I found was after he said my game of the week is MLB The Show 2012, you guys spent the next uh, 15, 20 minutes talking about uh, Mass Effect 3. So it's like, okay. <laughs> but uh, oh. yeah, I, I know. And honestly, there, I wish that Sony did a better job of. I know that they make this game so, hey, if you're a hardcore person into baseball or sports games, that, you know, this is the game for you. This is, this is your thing. And that's awesome. But. There's so much going on in there that I think would even have wider appeal if they would do a better job of making that appeal more accessible because it really is an action role-playing game. I mean, you pick, a, you pick a class. Well, there's a mode in the game called Road to the Show, and the show is just slang that you hear in the minor leagues for when you make it, finally make it to the major leagues, you've arrived at the show. Um, so what you do in this road to the show is you start out by creating a character and you get to control all of his appearance and everything else and you decide what class he's going to be what? Only, yeah you decide a class for him only in MLB the show you pick whether he's going to be a first baseman or a pitcher or an outfielder or a catcher and then you allocate stats to his starting stats for how well he hits, like maybe he's a power hitter, maybe he just hits for contact and gets a lot of singles. Uh, maybe he doesn't hit very well at all, but he runs really fast and can steal bases. Or maybe he doesn't do any of those things well, but he's really good uh, playing defense, like out in the field with his glove. And then the game will actually kind of, it does a little adjustment for your class, so if you pick, say, a first base, if you play a first baseman, it makes you a little bit more beefy and makes you such a hit for a little bit more power, hit a lot, you know, you have a tendency to hit more home runs than you would if maybe you were a skinny little second baseman or shortstop. And then you kind of go in and you play individual games. And the way it handles this is so cool because what it does is instead of making you sit and watch an entire computer play itself in baseball, which even for me as a baseball fan sounds like the dullest thing you could possibly ever do, what it does is it fast forwards every game until there's a play that happens with your player. <laughs> and then it yeah. hands you control of the game. Okay, you're up at bat. You know, here you go. You're, you're batting now. You know, go get them. Or, you know, here's a ball that's hit to you. You have to field it and make the throw. You know, that kind of stuff. And it does that really well. And if you do the, you know, if you succeed, and it, you know, by now they've managed to tweak the difficulty so it's a really low bar on succeeding, it gives you 
skill points and you punch those skill points what? back into your character yeah. to make him better and better. So you start out playing for the lowest level of minor leagues in double A ball and if you keep doing well and you have a manager who keeps giving you little goals like, hey, we want you to do this. We want you to not make any errors over the next twelve games and we want you to drive in five run or we want you to drive in ten runs. You know, that those are your goals, and we want you to raise these stats, these two stats up by two points each. And that's your goal for the next twelve games. And if you do that, they say, Hey, you're in our good graces, and they start looking for ways to move you up to get you into the major leagues. And if you start failing at it, they do things like move you onto the bench. That's kind of a bummer. But yeah, it's 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 a role playing game. And it, it has some cool things in it that I don't think there's an analog for any other role-playing game out there, and maybe you guys know something. Because what you can do when you create your character, you can say, I want to play for my favorite team. Like for me, I can tell it that I want to play for the Cardinals, which is great. But what happens is every year on August 1st, they have this trade deadline so that last week of July – players are getting traded by computer-controlled AI back and forth from all these different teams. So even though I told the game that I want to be on the Cardinals, the game can trade me to a team that I hate, and there's nothing I can do about it, at least not for a while. And I'm Uh stuck playing for that team. And I have to play for that team. There's no other, other, other than going back and just starting from scratch again. Or going back to an old save, which kind of feels like cheating. It is. It is. I I did the same thing on like a couple of years ago. Same, because they've had that for a while. Yeah, they've had this for a while, and they just keep refining it and developing it to kind of try to make it more player friendly and user friendly. McMaster, you know how to play baseball video games? (laughs) I know how to play. Tom, I know how to play baseball video games, soccer video games, hockey video games. What? How did you, where did you get this knowledge? (laughs) Well, to me, I'm not a complete snob, really. So I find the game in all of these things, and the game fascinates me at a design level instead of being, I don't know, so shallow. (laughs) To look at just the graphics and what the theme is. Uh, McMaster, when you play, uh, you're gonna we're gonna need your character to play for the uh, the Peoria Penny Antes. That's gonna be your team, okay? The Penny Antes, you say? Yeah. Is it spelled like Antes? Because that would be better if I got to wear an old lady. Yeah. Uh, also, we're gonna play multiplayer. I will be my class will be uh, I'll be the pitchest. Uh, Chris, not the pitcher, but the pitchest. No, no, right, pitcher, whatever you want to call it. Chris, no, you're the gonna be pitchest is fine. Uh, you're going to be the one out in the field with your glove, and I know that's the right sure. way to say it because you said that earlier. Uh, right, McMaster, right. Uh, we need you to play the water boy. Obviously. <laughs> so, McMaster, you well, have to get us. I would us- honestly think you would want me to, uh, I don't know, be on your team or something. I mean, at least no, no, I you're know on our the, team. The you just have to get us uh, like drinks of you know Gatorade or whatever the whatever baseballers drink. Gatorade, like pick up the bats. Right. Take- Take the lineup out to the umpire at the beginning of the game. Yeah, and sometimes yes. after I'm so good at, at baseball that I hit the, the the ball thing so hard that the bat will break. So I need <laughs> to get me a new bat sometimes. 
You're like McMaster. You're like uh, you're like my baseball squire. I don't know if there's a word for that, but uh, that's what you are. Yeah, I'll uh, yeah, I'll get right on that. I'll get you and uh, Robert Redford's bat. Uh, old lightning bolt. Hey, that's a, oh, that's a reference to the natural. I got Wonder that. Boy. A little yeah. Wonder Boy. Yeah, yeah I um, love that. Uh, <laughs> I recently discovered uh, within the last week or so, a friend of mine was explaining this to me, and Chris, I heard you use the term. When you are a baseballist, you, one of your scores is how many times you've screwed up. That's your errors. Right, right. Yes. They, they actually track that stuff. Like if you miss, if you're supposed to, if you don't catch a ball when you should have, that goes on your permanent record, and that's right. one of your stats. So I'm going to hand out errors for this podcast. <laughs> Chris. Your I, I, I think I'm getting a game-losing error for bringing up MLB The Show 2013. Well, you know what? Since you anticipated that it was an error, we're going to strike it. So your errors <laughs> on the podcast, zero. Sweet. So, oh, nice. 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 Um, Unblemished record. Well, you know, well, no, I don't want to say your lifetime errors uh, record. Uh, we're going to put that at one and a half for not playing more Guild Wars 2. Okay, cool. You no, are that's... playing some. I am playing some. Oh, so I see how this is going to go. <laughs> I see how the errors are going to stack up now. Well, I don't know. Let's check. Let's check the paperwork because McMaster, it's all documented. You know, you can't handle. Oh, right. Out. Like it's now, when, like, Jason, do you have like some iron or concrete to make the glove out of that's going to reflect the errors that you're about to pick up? No, no, I don't think so. Yeah, okay. McMaster, I'm not just oh. handing these out. I'm not a petty tyrant, McMaster. It's like when Roger Clemens doesn't catch the ball, it's be an error. And that, that stuff is is documented, you know. That stuff, you know, you can't just, like, decide, hey, you get an error point. He actually has to miss the ball. So I think McMaster, his grandkids will let him off. Uh, yeah. or, or Babe Ruth, you know, whoever, whichever example you want to use. Right, obviously, right, yeah. All right, right, so right. McMaster, let's see. Your error score, 7, 8, 9, 10, times 17. <laughs> okay. McMaster, your error score is 912. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. So you're, Can you you're, name them? You're almost uh, – we don't have time. <laughs> uh, I would run out of hard drive space recording the podcast. So let's see. McMaster, your errors, you could say you're almost batting 1,000 in terms of errors. Hey, that's pretty nice. good, though. Hey, you actually used the baseball term. I did. That's true. McMaster, I like to call that nothing but net. Nice. Yeah, Another good baseball term. Yep. Yeah, that was beautiful. I, that was like a hole in one. Oh yeah, I know I know how to slap the pigskin. <laughs> that you that was a touchdown. <laughs> That's the thing I always said. That Tom Chick knows how to slap the pigskin. <laughs> Uh, all right, so Chris, that's what you get for bringing up a sports game. Uh, I do like that take on it, though. That's pretty cool. So you, you ask if there's another analog for that. Well, hearing you describe the mode, uh, what came to mind for me is naturally um, ancient ch- – oh, I'm going to screw this up. Ancient Chinese history? What is romance – yeah, Romance of the Three Kingdoms Oh yeah, I believe. It had a mode where you start as just a warrior dude and you work your way up the ranks and eventually, you know, you're just fighting battles and you can have debates with other people. And eventually you are a feudal lord and you're trying to become emperor, I think, or whatever. Uh, I think it was China and not Japan. I screw those up. I think it's it's Nobunaga. Yeah. 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 So Romance of Three Kingdoms is China and Nobunaga's ambition is is Japan. So, but that was a similar mode to me in that you start 
small and you're working your way up into the big leagues, except instead of baseball big leagues, it's Chinese history big leagues. Um, right, right. Um, all right. Uh, all right, so um, baseball's going on right now, right, Chris? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Are people playing as we speak? People are right now participating in scoring touchdowns and kicking field goals <laughs> and shooting goals and engaging, okay. you know, checking people into the boards. I've actually been to baseball. Yeah, I've been to a baseball game before. Okay. Oh, yep. damn, really? Oh, it is America's pastime. So. Yep. I think so. I think it was, yeah. No, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was a baseball game. <laughs> so. Uh, all right, so there you go. Uh, a little Red Dead Redemption, a little Metro Last Light Factions pack, and a little MLB The Show. That, That's that it. Thing. All right, does it have a number after it? The Show 13? 13. It is yeah. 213, yeah, 2013. 13, uh, whatever. Yeah. Is, is, are, do these come out every year? They do, yes. they do. And what's uh, it, where's the 14? Shouldn't we have 14 by now? Now, 13 just came out in March. They don't do the EA Sports thing where they, you know, look 18 months into the future when they stick a number on their sports games. That's also, by the way, how the Magic the Gathering releases work. Uh, ah, okay. Magic the Gathering 2014 uh, right now, I believe. Uh, I want to apologize. That phone ringing, that was my congressman calling me, according to my caller ID. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I told I you the NSA was listening to us earlier, <laughs> and I didn't even answer because I was hanging out with you guys. So sweet. Aww. All right, so uh, there you go. Um, join us in some Guild Wars two and whatever things those guys are playing, uh, and also uh, <laughs> join us next week for the quarter to three uh, games podcast. McMaster, what are we having next week? Beans and spare ribs and. And rice, just cornbread, cornbread and rice. Absolutely, probably games too. And games, we'll we'll do that as well. We also will have someone from. Uh, let me let me think how to put this. We will have joining us, I believe, next week, maybe week after, very very shortly. Uh, one of the people who helped create my own personal favorite free to play game. I'll leave you with that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, as someone who pretty much hates all free-to-play games, there's one that I like enough to consider my favorite, uh, and one of the folks who helped make it will be joining us on a very uh, soon-to-be-posted quarter-to-three games podcast. So uh, tune in for that. Like us on – no, don't like us. Rate us on iTunes. We really love it when you do that. We would appreciate any ratings you could give us. Uh, and on behalf of myself – Jason McMaster, and our friend this week, Chris Hornbossel. Thank you for being here, and we'll see everyone next week. Love me two times, baby. Love me twice today. Time, girl. I'm gone away. Love me two time, girl. One for tomorrow, one just for today. Love me two time.
I am the Music McMaster. I am dope and I am fly.